Hello and welcome to Fresh Face Comics, the comic book podcast where our lifelong comic book reader guides his friend through the world of comics for the first time. My name is Joey Morgan, the aforementioned lifelong reader. With me as always is Jacob Licklider, the aforementioned newbie. Why is it that when uh, characters go blind in comic books they get superpowers, whereas I just can't see very well? And neither can our guest today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> our guest joining us for the third time on Fresh Face Comics, but for the first time on a bonus episode, my brother once again, Jacob Morgan. Hello. I'm, I'm oh. going to be honest. I'll agree with uh, Jacob number two here. <laughs> it is interesting. <laughs> uh, I also, I had never actually made that correlation before, let alone the fact that you're both named Jacob, but also you both have a visual disability. Yes. <laughs> yes. Much I mean, like very different kinds, but yeah. <laughs> Much like the subject of today's Fresh Face Comics bonus episode, today we are talking about the first season of Marvel Netflix's Daredevil. Um, or I guess not Netflix's anymore, because now it's on Disney+. Plus. Um, I binged the entire entirety of the Marvel Netflix universe way back in... When did it get taken off of Netflix? February, March-ish? Yeah, or no, no, yeah, no, no, February. It was taken off in February, but I had started... And stop making so much noise. Um, I, <laughs> I had uh, I had binged it back in like January, February, and done that whole universe. And uh, and when it was announced that it was coming to Disney Plus, I was like, Jacob, you, you got to watch it, uh, Jacob. Okay, for those who don't know, those who haven't listened to the past episodes with my brother on, my brother is Jacob one because he's older. Jacob Licklider is Jacob two because he's younger. Yes. And that's it. Um, so I said to Jacob, too, I was like, you got to watch the, the Marvel Netflix stuff. Like, it's coming to Disney Plus. It's like the best MCU content out there. And um, and, and he said, yeah, we'll do that eventually. And uh, here we are. Um, I had already been on the process of showing my brother, Jacob, one, the Marvel Netflix stuff, uh, of course, starting with Daredevil and then Jessica Jones and so on. Um, so you had seen this back, I think, right right before they took it off Netflix in February, right? Yes. So interestingly, uh, Jacob one is actually the fre- the freshest faced here because Jacob yes. two you actually watched Daredevil season one back when it first came out. If I remember right. When it first came out, I know I watched at least Daredevil season one. Mm. I don't think I watched any of the rest of okay. the Netflix shows except maybe like one, the first episode of Jessica Jones. Okay. Um. And uh, and how much did you remember of it going in? I remembered, honestly, the beginning of season one and the very end of season one. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Like, <laughs> vividly in my mind, there's like one shot in the final episode. We'll talk about it when we actually get into a deep dive, probably. Um, uh, uh, involve, involving Wilson Fisk uh, mm. right near the end. That all just gotcha. like sticks in my mind. Huh, interesting. Um, but overall, like, not you didn't remember too much? Not a lot. Not a lot. I didn't remember. I didn't remember being nearly as funny as it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like like it's but it's not your typical like MCU humor. This was this show started production or at least the writing process post Avengers. Um, So so Joss Whedon style MCU is already in full effect. And it's it's still like it could be a funny show at times, Um, but it's certainly not your your typical MCU humor. I I would Um, also argue just just to say the MCU itself didn't really get so self-referential, the cringiest funny until phase three. Like, I agree. Yeah, definitely. Like, and it's only, at least in the films, as far as I can tell, gotten worse with time. And it's like, hey, change things up a little bit, please. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, before we go any further, first off, this is a spoiler-filled podcast episode. We're not going to be like going. We're not going to do, be doing like a complete deep dive like we do typically on our comic episodes. Um, today we're just doing it like if you ever if you saw our, our episode on the Batman 2022's the Batman, um, it's going to be sort of structured like that. It's pretty much just a free open talk, spoiler-filled. I assume most people have seen at least season one of Daredevil. If you haven't, go watch it. It's on Disney Plus. It's fantastic. You just you you really don't need any more reason than it's just some of the best mcu content out there even yes. if some people don't think it's part of the mcu anymore um so yeah um i mean uh, it's I'll, clearly also going... made with the mcu in mind oh well, i mean yeah there's no i mean there are multiple references that. to the avengers you know um and that's a pretty consistent thing throughout the marvel netflix stuff um but that's pretty much like the only film that they consistently reference other than like maybe iron man 2 because i to say there, yeah there's there's, uh... there's some there's some hammer uh justin hammer stuff that they reference later on in, in the in the universe but it's like all right you know you don't you don't need to have seen the films to get it all maybe like honestly just the avengers i would say is all you need as far as context going in but uh, but also before we get into this um what is all of our history with the mcu as it stands right now because when we get, in, get into some of our twitter questions i want to know like where we all stand on what we've seen of the mcu so i know for me i've seen pretty much everything bar a couple of the lesser lesser known tv shows like runaways cloak and dagger hellstrom things like that um jacob and jacob um i'll go first i've seen most of the films minus some of the newer ones and that's like a mix like i haven't seen uh what is it eternals eternals yeah i think what shang chi you haven't seen yeah i haven't seen... uh i think the only phase four films you've seen are what no way home and doctor strange right yeah the other of the two newest films i've seen i've not watched many of the shows if any minus the netflix springovers mm-hmm. uh, and uh and as far as like phase three stuff i think you only missed out on like what uh shit blah what captain marvel is that it um, and I've seen up? most of that on TV, even so, like I know most of its plot, like mm. just through osmosis, essentially. Gotcha. And uh, but how I haven't about... had a dedicated sit through. Yeah. And how about Jacob too? So I, I think I've seen the least of the MCU of everyone here. I've seen almost all of Phase One, bar Incredible Hulk, um, a decent chunk of Phase Two, like mainly Iron Man Three, Captain America: The Winter Soldier, um. Not Thor 2, uh, and then Avengers, Age of Ultron. And then after that, it's really uh, Civil War, Guardians of the Galaxy, Infinity War, and Endgame. And then I also watch, uh, I've seen WandaVision and Moon Knight, and I kind of want to watch She-Hulk. She-Hulk's been enjoyable. Um, There are things to like in there. I think if if I were recommending Disney Plus shows that came out this year, I think I'd so far... At the time this is being recorded, three episodes of She-Hulk are out, um, and I've seen them all. Um, I'd probably sooner recommend Ms. Marvel if you're looking for a new Marvel Disney Plus show to watch. But She-Hulk's been enjoyable. Um, it's a fun I've, ride. I've heard. I've heard. I, I feel like oddly enough, the MCU has been doing pretty decent with the Disney Plus shows. Yeah, honestly, like I'm consistently enjoying the Disney Plus shows much more than I am the films lately. I, I think part of it's because they're. They don't have nearly as much control of Papa Disney. He's like, yeah, you, you must follow into our mold to make us billions of dollars. Yeah, and I would also, I also think that falls into the whole idea of a of a of a plot being better when it's serialized. 
Yeah, and also like, I know I know one of the big like criticisms waved at the at the Disney Plus shows are that they're like six hour long movies, um, and as such they're padded to death. And I can see that sometimes, but honestly, I think it's just it's more room for world building, and I will always take that. And yes. uh, I enjoy that personally. It, it lets you it lets you have more depth of character than a lot of the recent MCU films have, especially since the re- a, a lot of the recent MCU films also really have the continuity problem of 20 plus films continuity that they are also trying to build up on and reference mm-hmm. and it is I mean, just, I mean and, god i think we're coming up on 30 films soon aren't we <sighs> right. something think, like that wasn't the ant-man and the wasp was like 20 so we're at like fuck 20 i think we're at 28 or 29 somewhere around there like holy <laughs> shit eventually the mcu is going to have the problem that the comics do yeah yeah, like it's it's just it, it, well, and it's almost going to be worse than comics because at least comics you can technically pick anything up and kind of enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But like film is a very different medium. Yeah. Um, and that's but wow. Movie. But wow, we have gone on quite the tangent at the yeah. start here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think I'd actually like to start this discussion. Um, I go into our Twitter questions. I'd like to get some groundwork done through these. Um, so kicking us off, I'd like to start off with English Giraffe, at English underscore Giraffe, says, what is the best piece of MCU media ever made, and why is it Daredevil? Um, who would like to take it away? <laughs> I think we all agree, right? Like, it, um, it just is, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it, I think it's... Hmm. It's up there. I'm not sure. I have a very hard time personally saying, oh, this is the best piece of, like, anything content. You and know? also, actually, at the time of recording, it's worth noting this. Jacob 2 has seen only season 1. Jacob 1 has seen seasons 1 and 2. And I have seen the whole thing. Yeah. So when we talk about Daredevil being the best piece of MCU media, I think I probably would have the, the, the most experience here in, in saying that, yes, I would agree with that. Definitely. Um, I think... I think it might be one of at least the best versions of a superhero origin story for the MCU. Um, like maybe really only beaten by like that, tr- the trilogy of phase one films of just Captain America, Iron Man and Thor. Um, yeah. I say phase uh, one is really strong mm-hmm. and I think Daredevil's a, a, like a really great place to like watch MCU content. And because I've seen just a little more than uh, Jacob 2, but not as much as you, obviously, uh, I think it's up there. But like I said, I also have a hard time saying, oh, this is like the best piece of Mm. your face. I mean, here's the thing. Like when it comes to Daredevil, in my opinion, I think each season just gets better than the last. So like season three is just like if there was if I could at the risk of being hyperbolic, it is like an 11 out of 10 season of television. Season three. Like that is fucking peak. And I love it. Um so yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's fantastic. I understand some of your apprehension and, and like other things that may overtake it, but especially with what you what you two have only seen, um, I think it's certainly one of those pieces of media that's that's um, that's better enjoyed when you've seen the whole thing. That's of course uh, not to say anything against season one because we're here to talk about how great it is. You know? like, I will say it may have some of the best. Good. It may have some of the best casting of the MCU. Like, Ooh, yeah, actually, before we we continue with Twitter questions, let's talk about some of that casting. Yeah. Like, um, Kicking off with our lead, Charlie Cox as Daredevil, as Matt Murdock, the man without fear. Um, 
I mean, God, what what a performance, you know? Um, you already mentioned that there, there's a fair bit of humor in this show, and oddly enough, that comes most of that comes from Matt Murdock as a person. It, you know? it is either Charlie. It's it's basically a, a mix. The humor comes from a mix of Charlie Cox being a sarcastic bastard, um, just as an actor, which I think, I think, because he's coming back in the MCU, I think that can actually really help. Just having mm-hmm. just the way Cox portrays the character just in general no matter yeah. what the script is doing yeah definitely um like there's this arrogance but there's also just really good he, he just knows how to play off other people mm-hmm. um oh yeah and, and i mean of course perfect time to bring up uh eldon henson as foggy nelson um who's just a great source of of um of, of humanity for this show um He's a lovable character, um, and I, I think you really feel his and Matt's relationship because of how well Henson and Cox work off each other. Mm-hmm. I, I think Foggy might be my favorite character just because Henson's performance throughout everything. Mm-hmm. One, especially when you get to an episode like Nelson v. Murdoch, yeah, and and you see them come uh, come at odds with each other, and yeah, played and right there's... alongside the, those flashbacks with them first becoming friends. There's, there's there's clear character arcs and it this what's nice well partially what's nice is that this series was made with the idea that this might be all we get yeah yeah but, so it is a very complete story isn't it uh yeah uh there really aren't sequel teases um bar i think a couple of things in a couple of the later episodes but those are also just minor hanging threads that with the scale of what the show is trying to do because i think the scale of what the show is trying to do is important which is what helps make it work and make it feel really intimate um, it's very focused like it, it's yeah. it's it's street level it's focused and you feel that uh, in, in how all of our characters interact on this street level type of superhero show yeah i don't uh, want to drag the conversation back too far but i wanted to say something at least i thought was i i, I liked seeing through the show uh we said about the humor and Charlie Cox and uh, um, I'm blanking on who we just said the actor who played Foggy uh, is. Out of Hanson. Um, a lot of the comedy I find there that really worked to it, uh, and from my opinion, and you were, you'll remember I made comments about this when we watched it. Um, I thought like the comedy around him being blind was actually was actually was actually nice. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, there there are a lot of jokes made at like it's at, like at, at Matt's expense when it comes to to him being blind. Like um, and you know like some it, like it had could have very easily turned mean, and mm-hmm. as someone who kind of gets a lot kind of gets those jokes like have been has have seen some of them personally. I'm not totally blind, uh, thankfully yeah. for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but like. You know, I watch it like there's jokes like in the first episode where the retail lady goes to shake Matt's hand and she goes, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just those little moments where like you wouldn't typically think about it, you know, and, and like you see just, you know, um, non-disabled people interacting with Matt and um, and, and you see and you see them uh, just just not it's it's not even like a. It, it, they're, they're not shocked or anything it's just it's yeah. just a quick moment that like you there, there's a bit of humor in there you see that 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 moment of clarity and it's very quick it's very subtle and i like the way it's played it's also not punching down which is where no, a lot no, of... no that, that's what i was especially happy to see yeah because that, that's that's where a lot of bigoted humor comes from that like it, it's mean-spirited and it punches down like none of the jokes here are mean-spirited the jokes are generally person does not know how to interact with disabled person um, yeah yeah um, so so uh, despite matt being the focus of the joke 
he's not the butt of the joke. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Um, which also I think makes it hit all the harder um, mm-hmm. later in the season when we get to know the episodes around Nelson V. Murdoch. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's when Foggy finds out Matt's uh, about the man. entirely blind. No, um, that, that he that he's just still have a way of seeing, which is great because that's not something that's like perfectly elaborated on i mean we get a bit of it in, in some of the conversations with claire early on um but when you really get down to it like, like it, that's really explored when foggy starts answering questions it, it starts asking questions and he's like how much can you see have you been able to see me the whole time what am i doing right now and he gets really pissed at him and typically in the comics that would be waved away by stanley writing like oh yeah well he lost his sight but all of his other senses were heightened so he can still technically see and it's like okay sure thanks sure. um but i like the way it's explored here and i, I think it's, it's a really tactful way of doing it uh, yeah it's it's also just again it, it it brings back to the emotions um i also think it's very interesting because <laughs> We are still. We're not ashamed to be in the realm of superheroes. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, we're still small scale. <laughs> like Matt Murdock is not immortal, but he does have superpowers. Like, because mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I joke, but like, I don't have super heightened senses because I'm yeah. visually impaired. Yeah, you've come. I'm sure you've come to like much like my brother, of course. I'm sure you've come to rely on some a bunch of those other senses more than you than you would now that you, uh, like, since you 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 are uh, disabled in that way. But it's um, it's not. But, you know, it's but not sir, obviously, it's not to, to a superhero degree. You know, no, right? Um, like, like I could rely slightly more on my hearing than say you, but it's not. I'm not like supersonic hearing, obviously. Yes. I, <laughs> I can't. Uh, I, I can't magically figure out. Oh, I hear a pin drop. I know exactly in the room where it is, which is very much Daredevil's powers. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's not. It's not taking. It's not making a butt of the joke. Like it's not yeah. making a joke out of the powers. It's interesting, and uh, the reactions to anyone who finds out, especially when Foggy finds out later in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, one, it provides a great source of conflict, and two, it just it makes it it makes the character feel real. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but since we have sort of dipped our toe in Daredevil comics, they're t- talking about Daredevil comics here. Um, I'd like to bring up our next Twitter question. We have a comment and a question. First off, Jamie at Jamie underscore season seven says, uh, "My one complaint about it is it didn't have the yellow suit." Um, I don't miss it. I don't like the yellow suit personally. I like how it looks in She-Hulk, but I don't know. I don't think it would have matched the tone of this series personally. Yeah, I, yeah this is way too... I don't want to say it's too gritty, because I think you might be able to make it work. Mm-hmm. But when the entire when the show has chosen its entire aesthetic as just this red in everything that it does, I think yes. having I mean, yellow plus, there would be a bit odd. I mean, plus I think the red more help, helps more literally... Like deliver the idea of the devil of Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, because that's that's an idea that's brought up in the show a lot. Is they call him the devil of Hell's Kitchen before he has because when you hear oh devil, I you don't think yellow. Yeah, yeah. Um, but on, on to Jamie's actual question here says, um, did watching it make Jacob want to read Daredevil comics? So whoever would like to answer that first, I'm definitely directing this towards both of you. So. Um. You, you, Jacob, you can go first. So yes, but also, I I've, I know the big everyone should read this Daredevil comic <laughs> is Frank Miller. 
And I know it's probably look, brilliant. <laughs> Daredevil, Frank Miller Daredevil is the best Frank Miller I've ever read. So, okay, if that helps. That, that, that helps a little, but it's still... I have to mentally prepare for reading a Frank Miller comic. And hey, um, it, the only Frank Miller you've read so far, Jacob, is 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 his good Batman stuff. This is so, true. Yeah, this is true. Uh, You're also very aware of another Frank Miller comic we'll be doing in the relatively near future. Relatively <laughs> near future, and ooh. <laughs> oh, dear listener. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm very excited. But yeah, um, um, but yeah. So on comics, like, did this make you interested in reading Daredevil comics? Wait, are you yeah. Either one doesn't matter. Whoever um, wants to talk. <laughs> well, I'll I'll answer. Uh, well, I I've I'm slowly picking up more comics. I realized like to read as as you know, I I pick them up off you, of the trades. You borrow them from me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. Personally, it's not like something top of my list. Just more out of convenience. So like, I just keep kind of reading the set like in a in a row. You know what I mean, like, for because the listeners aren't in our personal lives. I'm I've been collecting his new. I'm I like I'll I'll run out of stuff to read, and I go, hey, what's the new? What's the what's the next new fifty two trade I need to read? Yeah, because you've been doing the Scott Snyder Batman stuff, and yeah, uh, yeah so that's what you're sort of doing right now, unless you have like a specific story you want to read. Um, so yeah, so I mean, but like if I if I was someday was like, hey, here's a Daredevil comic, would you want to read that, or or just or do you, are you content with the show for now? Uh, I'll from me, I'm cool with the show just right now, but I imagine I'll pick, I'll read it one day. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, I'd say if I was just watching this show for the first time, I would have pro- like and seen a Daredevil comic out in the wild especially if they, you know, Marvel actually did promotion, I'd probably pick it up and read it. Um, yeah. yeah definitely. Not, not necessarily a, I want to read, I must read Daredevil stuff now, but that's, that's mainly because, again, issues with Marvel not having the best, the, always the best way to get into their stuff. Just yeah. Yeah. Mar- I mean, I, I know when I was getting like the Frank Miller Daredevil stuff, like it's a pain in the ass just to get like the, the four trades of his main Daredevil stuff. Yeah. It's like, like I'm I would probably read more Marvel stuff. It was just if it was just easier to pick up. Yeah. Yeah. You just you have to be on the on the lookout for those things, you know, yeah. um, whether it be like an older version that may like drop in price or a, a reprint that they make of a, of a classic that's that, you know, th- that'll be out for like a month or two and then go out of print. You know, it's just it, it happens yeah. all the time. And, and I think they're really bad with that. And it's a practice that I think really needs to change in Marvel comics. But, um, but yeah, yeah. I, I think the MCU to, MCU is too big for uh, for them to even consider that at the moment, yeah. which is a, su- such a shame. But since we're talking broader MCU, since I just brought it up, let's go to our last set of Twitter questions from uh, our good friend Mason at the GD256. His first question reads, do you think the show works as a pseudo MCU connected show or should the show have been less slash more connected, less or more connected to the MCU as a whole? Um Personally, I don't care for me. Um, for me, it's just more like, you know, I, it's it's better if it's part of the MCU. And make, it certainly leaves more uh, more like a broader range of MCU content that I enjoy. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. If they're going to acknowledge these shows, that'd be awesome. At the same time, I still have them if they're not connected. <laughs> I'm t- I'd also argue that they don't need to add, like, more connections to the MCU. I think it works the perfect level, especially for what it's doing. Um, 
especially if you go back into the mindset when this was released in um, in 2015, when mm-hmm. the MCU was still very big, but it wasn't nearly as big as it is now. Yeah, um, yeah, and and you have you have just the very. Uh, the, the very like the uh, the connections are there, but you, you don't necessarily need them to enjoy the story. Um, and I think that's honestly something the MCU could could take a page from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's part of the MCU. Like, yeah, it's gotta be. I mean, like, it's, like, it's, yeah. it's not a question in my mind anyway. Yeah, like, they've brought back both Cox and D'Onofrio. Yeah, um, and there are definitely more on the way. I mean. It, uh, every Disney Plus show rumors, big rumors so far, has been true. Apparently, they are going to start teasing Jessica Jones coming back soon uh, when Echo comes about. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, uh, on to Mason's second question, he goes, and I really like this question. I'm excited for this one. Says, if you could plan a Daredevil season to happen during the blip, which characters would you have disappear? So on this, I'd like to point out first off that we may be getting answers to this soon in She-Hulk, and we may already have those answers by the time this episode comes out. But for now, as pure speculation, as, as Charlie Cox hasn't reappeared in She-Hulk at the time of recording, uh, what, what, would, what would we play around with? What would we have here? I would I would actually have Foggy disappear. That'd be interesting. And play around I, with maybe the relationship between Matt and Karen. Matt and Karen, and then Matt, Karen, and Foggy as a trio. Because they... The way the show sets them up, they are a trio. They are a team, and they are meant to be kind of ins- an inseparable team, mm-hmm. um, which I, I I really I really enjoy. But also he's and he's you know kind of the, Foggy as a character is kind of the core heart. Uh, like he provides the jokes. He's the one who I don't want to say he's the one who kind of gives Matt his humanity back by the end of the season. Yeah, you get I rid don't... of him. You lose a where lot does, of who Matt Murdock Yeah, is. where does Matt go? Yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking as a purely active, as a pure act of speculation, with the core cast, I would get rid of Karen, because then that's, and then it's easier to drive what is already set up as a pretty big wedge between Foggy and Matt. Even I mean, like, I, think one of the, I think one of the most interesting things to do with the blip and, uh, and, and the core cast of Daredevil is to make it so that neither neither matt nor fisk have allies to directly turn to and it's almost just a one-on-one between the two of them and they're left in this desolate world that is that not, that affiliates with neither of them that could be interesting i would love to see that because you see like i think in my speculative opening in my speculative thought you achieve that by just getting rid of karen because well just by the end of season one foggy and matt with just enough push are not going to be friends. I mean, I suppose there, I think there's a bit more to it than you're giving it credit for. And also having the foresight of the next of the second season and only the second season may be hindering your opinion a little bit. Cause yeah, I've only seen season one and this yeah. is very much. And also for me, I mean like I, I know personally that the bond between Matt and Foggy is a little bit stronger than that, but, uh, but uh, it, 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 it is interesting. And, um, um I think you, yeah. could, you could play around with a lot of things there. I, I think uh, there are a lot of characters that you could have come in and out. And, um, I, I will say it's a shame the MCU hasn't done more with the blip as far as I can see. Cause 
Yeah. There's a lot of storytelling potentially you could do there, MCU. Yeah. Didn't, didn't some MCU creative recently say let say that like, you know, they they've done everything they can with the blip and it's like, no you fucking haven't. You've barely done anything with it. <laughs> you know, it it's it's almost like they're like, "Oh, we have this really interesting idea." We'll do like five throwaway sentences that imply we actually cared about it beyond its initial re- reaction and, uh, you know, call it a day. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, uh, but yeah, um, let's move back into casting now that we're now that we're through our Twitter yes. questions. Uh, we mentioned a few times in this last question. Uh, Deborah Ann Wall is Karen. Um, now I'm curious. This is a character that could be taken a couple of different ways if you don't know who she is from the comics ahead of time. And neither of you have have read Daredevil comics. Um, did you know who Karen was ahead of time? Did you know that she would be as as big a part of the story as she was? Um, I'm curious about just what your thoughts on her were specifically early on in the show and when, when her future with, with Matt and Foggy was a little unclear. I was, I was initially skeptical and I think I had these thoughts when I first watched it um, way, way back. That's what nearly seven years ago now um, that they might just make her be a one-off, which again would be a waste. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, okay. Deborah and Wall is brilliant. Like yeah, Deborah and Wall, Deborah and Wall is brilliant. Um, and she's the inci- essentially the inciting incident for the show. Um, yeah, she's she's the first breadcrumb that leads to Wilson Fisk um, just being a thing and having this whole uh, criminal and capitalistic network. Um, uh, and I would be afraid of perhaps her becoming too much of a damsel. Um, which I'm very glad they never really do. Um, like the first episode, she's in trouble. She's framed for a murder. Um, and we get, you know, some of the best, some very graphic detail. I would like to say, oh yes. Like, oh yeah. This is, this is a show that is not for children. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like we, we've mentioned the comedy a few times, but like, no, it's, it's, it's very much like one of the first pieces of MCU media that separated itself from what the MCU was doing and said like, you know, this is Netflix. Like I keep on also at the time, 2015 Netflix originals were on fire and, yes. uh, and they were, they were this prestigious company that made like only the highest quality shows at the time you know this was oranges the new black at its absolute height you know um so like daredevil being a a netflix original was a big deal um and so they Um, really went at that and they made this very very hard-hitting drama uh, i'd also say it's it's important to note that this isn't also that high budget of a show either like oh yeah i mean hell like the best i mean i was just about to bring up the fight scenes actually um let's talk about the fight scenes because they're shot so creatively on, on such a low budget i mean obviously the most famous of which is is the famous hallway fight scene at the end of episode two it's all one shot he goes up and down this hall saves a kid takes out these guys fucking brilliant it's all one shot clearly made on a budget you know but it but it's so good i don't even the budget doesn't show you you you, you can't. no god no uh, i was gonna say i was actually gonna ask the show had a small budget yeah <laughs> it, it doesn't show you see, it's but you can tell the budget wasn't bloated which is yeah well what, 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 I, I should i guess i should specify when i say like clearly made on a small budget i mean more like um like you can tell that like you know like, like they didn't have much to work with and they made the most of what it was there um and, and and it works perfectly, honestly. I think. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I, um, I, they got a bunch of. They also just got a bunch of really good directors in. Um, yeah. Like, 
uh, from from basically all around the television industry of the time. Um, like uh, and they have, you know, a very good, a very good group of writers. And it's each episode does a really good job also of just being I don't want to say being standalone, but also having a beginning, middle and end. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, which is the, which the episodes is, don't the, the episodes don't like bleed into each other, you know, yeah. they, they don't become like all one thing. Um, each episode Ex- does definitely stand on its own, except maybe like the last two. But that's the last two. of the so, season. Those are for very specific reasons, though. <laughs> like, um, I, actually, I think that brings us perfectly into the next casting I wanted to talk about. I, I was going to bring up the main villain next, but I would love to talk about Von D. Curtis Hall as Ben Urich. Um <sighs> who is just like the best not the best thing but like just one of the things that makes specifically season most, one so special it's the most human part of the show yeah yeah There's, and like mm. a, a lot of this is structured like a crime drama mm-hmm. and you never quite know who you can trust and ben Yurik is a character you you know who he is from his introductory scene yeah you get his you get his deal and he's dealing with some tough topics and his final scene is one of the most tense scenes of the show oh yeah because because um, like right from the second I, this is a spoiler podcast we could talk about it the scene is his death scene um and kingpin is sitting in his house directly across from him the moment he's in that scene you know how it's going to end what can we do in the space of time and the writing is fucking brilliant and they make the most of it it's just oh it's so good it's also, so so good that because that was in you know episode that was in episode 12 right yeah very very that end of was in episode, episode 12. 12 that was directed has, has by some... one euros lin oh my god was it i didn't even yep. realize that's fucking wild okay um yeah. uh jacob oh. uh big uh jacob one sorry uh big rtd era doctor who director thank you yeah like um, the, the man knows how to do character shots and yeah. um also what's so fascinating is um yurik is a character is every character is kind of at least a little bit tragic in some way um mm-hmm. and yurik obviously his wife is sick and he is just trying to provide for her and he's trying to break a story that basically he can't break mm-hmm. um and if um uh, and, and what makes hello motorcycle <laughs> It it really sucks because me and Jacob One are in the same house. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm like if I thought ahead, I would have sh- I would have like shut the windows in my room. I don't know why you didn't. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I still can. You're good. You're good. Go ahead, Jacob Two. But what's but what's amazing about just his entire arc is it's learning. A lot of it's about learning to really go after the story again. Um, yeah. Using the knowledge, and his death is eventually the inspiration that actually takes down Wilson Fisk, the kingpin of crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and it all builds. Um, it, and it's it's really effective that it starts just as this disparate thread, and eventually, like, eventually, Yurik and Karen have a plot together. Basically, their side mm-hmm. of the story. Matt kind of bounces around the character plots but even then they aren't as in-depth um because part of the whole point of him being the devil of hell's kitchen 
is that he really doesn't have a whole a direction. He doesn't entirely know what he's doing, not mm-hmm. from an experience, but just from the fact that he's a vigilante trying to take down a conspiracy. He, in mostly, a very he mostly just knows why he's doing it, not how yeah. he's doing it and how it affects him in his personal life. Yes. And that's uh, very clear through the course of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Another great supporting role I'd like to call out here um, is uh, Peter McRobbie as Father Lantum, um, who appears a couple times throughout this season and has a lot of the best scenes throughout this whole season. Um, which is, I'd argue, it's also very important to acknowledge that Matt Murdock is a, is a Catholic. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a big part of his character, and I know you're not going to like to hear this, Jacob, too, but uh, it is a big thing that Frank Miller played on a lot. And um, and pretty much made one of the defining aspects of, of Matt Murdock as a character. Yeah, but I, I, I like the way here is, despite being Catholic and drawing on a lot of Catholic themes, the writing never gets too preachy. Um, oh, no. It, it, it never no, becomes, definitely not. It never becomes pro-Catholic propaganda, which is a thing that can happen in superhero media. Um mm especially in the 21st century in a lot of weird ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but no, I, I just love so many of his scenes here. Um, I think also one of the things, one of the best things about his character is that he is one of the few people in the show that knows that Matt is daredevil and he figures it out like, you know, pretty much all by himself. You know, he, he just, he has this guy coming to him regularly asking for forgiveness for what he's about to do. And there's also this guy who shows up at the exact same time, fighting off criminals and doing these awful things to them. Um, wow. And he just puts it together, you know? I mean, it's, it's also because, you know, Matt Murdock, not a great, he doesn't have a great secret identity. Like, no, no. And, and actually, that's what a lot of the season's about, is developing that identity, you know, both, both, both figuratively in the writing and literally in his, in, in his physical prowess and how he looks, too, because he gets the suit by the end and everything. Um uh yeah and also just just the she- just the just the sheer amount of times he fucks up he's mm. responsible for people's deaths he's he's a superhero yeah. who does kill because i don't want to say it's a gray morality um i'm more fond of, of terry pratchett's it's white morality that's got grubby um mm. uh because that's very much what it is because he is a good person um and and Having a priest as a moral compass puts a lot of the themes together. It especially helps tie in, one, with the fact that he was raised essentially in an orphanage after, uh, in a Catholic orphanage after his dad died. Um, and his dad's death was a, here is that formative moral event of, you know, f- doing what's right, even if it will get you hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just a thing that Matt constantly does um, and constantly just constantly is, you know, brought to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Um, it's why he needs forgiveness. It's yeah. why he needs advice. It's why he needs to learn how to open himself up and trust his friends. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, uh, I wanted to bring one last supporting role before we move into the villains. Uh, that is a character that shows up not just in Daredevil, but uh, all the Marvel, most of the Marvel Netflix shows. Um, Claire Temple, as played by Rosario Dawson. Um, I'm curious, what do you make of how her role specifically in this show? Because she was a character that was clearly made to cross over with all the other shows as well. But um, but specifically here, what what do we think of her role in the show? I'd argue I at th- one point where. 
I don't want to say the show falls flat, but I think it doesn't explore it as well as it could. Um, Because she really, she gets her episode in episode two. um, And she gets some things to do later on. But she's very much in the background. And I don't know if... I don't know if they necessarily knew what they were going to entirely do with the character. Um, I understand that. Um, I think it could have been... Go ahead. I I was just going to say, I think that just in the context of Daredevil season one, she's a good character. I could see, like, when I think back on season one, I think, okay, I could see the kind of direction they were thinking this will go. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, the ideas behind it. Yeah. And, but I will say a lot, not a lot, I shouldn't say that, but, like, a chunk of her plot is taken up with just getting Matt to trust her and then getting, if I'm remembering correctly, which I should be, is getting past the the obvious romantic plot that you have to get past. Just mm-hmm. that, like, that would just, someone would naturally bring up. Yeah, yeah. Um, it does. It does feel somewhat, somewhat like like obligatory. Like it has to be there. Like I get what you're saying. Um, but I don't, I don't hate it. I don't hate the way it's handled. No, no. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me. I just think like the show ha- has to clearly address the point that someone would bring up if the show didn't on its own. Yeah, I gotcha. Makes sense. Um, shall we, shall we move on to villains? Yeah. Yes, because I, uh, let, I have so many thoughts. Let, let's work our way up, actually. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll lead up to the big guy. Um, first, I want to talk about Wai Ching Ho as Madame Gao, um, another character that crosses over between a couple of the shows. Um, but she's very prominent here. And uh, I, th- I think, Jacob, too, I really want to hear your your thoughts on her character. Okay. So, one, one, I've, I'm very glad for all the villains who are, you know, not white they're allowed to speak in their native languages. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, there's there's a whole sequence in one of the last couple episodes between Fisk and Gao where they it's it's just subtitles it's, between the it's two. It's just in Mandarin, which um, yeah. was awful for me. <laughs> I I think that that is one. That's a it's a very important thing. One, it connects it, it connects just to, to New York as a place. It may, helps make New York feel alive. Um, She's also a monstrous villain, and you don't really see how much of a monster she is until, like, episode 12. Mm. And she's you... one of those characters that, like, doesn't doesn't do much herself. Like, she has other people do things for her. Um, but just those, those commands that she makes and, and what she makes people do are just fucking awful. Yeah. It, she's just... what she, she's, she's a terrifying character. Um, and... Again, I think I think part of the I think part of one going into these villains, we do need to talk that the fact that the downfall of Wilson Fisk is not really Matt Matt Merton like Team Daredevil doing anything. Oh yeah, it's, like it's, it's his own downfall that they're just taking advantage of. Yeah, um, yeah, because it's oh, it's mostly people leaving him. Yeah, it, it it it's isolating Fisk as he loses more and more of his allies. Yeah. Um... And Gao is basically the last ally to really leave him. Um, basically, technically, like you have you have Owlsley be, leave, being killed um, 
near the end, but it's it's Gao fleeing back to Hong Kong um, after her heroin operation goes up in flames, literally. Ha ha um, ha ha, Hong Kong. Ha. <laughs> I was I was ha, just ha, gonna make some ha, kind of similar <laughs> joke. <laughs> I don't get the joke. You'll find out more later. Um, okay. as, 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 as we continue to go through the shows. But she just, as, I guess, as I guess, you get I guess, older, you'll understand. Yeah. As, as I, I guess, I could call out the one line that she has. Um, You know, uh, she, she, she says it, it is considerably further than that. Um, and uh, I think that's interesting. But yeah. Um, our next villain I want to talk about, uh, you mentioned him briefly here, is uh, Bob Gunton as Leland Owsley, or as he's known in the comics, but thankfully they never refer to him here as the owl. Um, the owl. Oh, I would have, that would have been worst that would have been <laughs> so dumb he's one of the i think he was first introduced in like one of the first couple issues of daredevil and he's very much one of those 60s stan league creations that just does oh, not work you know, as well that, today. that tracks <laughs> yeah um so that, that definitely tracks yeah yeah so as a character he again also really interesting he's basically the comic relief villain mm -hmm. um but also like he's he's good at what he does um I, I mean, I kept imagining him because uh, I know the actor, uh, I, I'm assuming, we, except for I, I think you've never seen it, Jacob won, um, Shawshank Redemption. Um, he's the warden in that. Yes. And uh, he, he's great. Like, he's, he's he's a great, like, he's a threat, but he it, it's, it's there's something kind of fun about him, I think. Yeah. Well, it's because he's very wry um, mm -hmm. and, like, very good at performing, like. The whole twist where it's like surprise, he's the one who's behind poise trying to poison Vanessa. Yeah, um, yeah. But like when that gala happens, all he's doing is like, do I don't I need to be checked out? You know, I I held a glass of of the champagne. Yeah, um, yeah. he's he's he's, he's very like, charismatic like, for just that. Absolute I liked asshole. him because I felt like in another show he could be, not maybe the top, but like he could take out the top. Hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, he gets pretty close. Um, yeah, um, he's also the one who basically is cleaning up all of Fisk's messes, um, and it just gets so tired of it at the end. Um, also, let, let, okay, I think we do need to acknowledge how much of this show is pretty explicitly anti-capitalist. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, mean, that's, a I mean, that's a lot of daredevil as it is i'm reading the current chip uh chip zarsky run on daredevil and same thing like it's it's very it it's it's drilled in with that yeah. with that anti-capitalist messaging and, well because um, one all of this is about money money is power money is a status money is what's the accidental giving of the poor's money is what brings the kingpin down because mm -hmm. the poor's in the safe in this situation are Mur nelson and murdoch who you know have a shitty office in episode one mm -hmm. that they just get and then the kingpin walks into their life basically makes them take the case with karen and that starts the entire ball roll ball rolling mm -hmm. um, and kingpin inadvertently creates what will become his downfall in the yes. end and uh, it's great i love that um but working alongside Kingpin and actually the person that gives them the money in the end, I want to talk about Toby uh, Toby Leonard Moore as James Wesley. Um, Wesley. He's <laughs> like, I just, there's something so enjoyable about this character. Just the way that Moore plays him. I just, I, I love it. Such I a love scumbag. So he is. Such he is. a scumbag. Yeah. Um, and his death. His death. Like, oh, that's one of the most tense death. scenes in the whole show. Like, yeah. Oh. 
Like, yeah, I 100% agree. With a gun on the table and like, oh my god, oh, it's so good. Um, just such a great character. And he's like, he doesn't... He, I, he carries he carries a certain confidence with him, I think. That that that's most of the charm of his character, you know. Um, just just these little things where like he knows how trusted he is by Fisk. Um, little moments like you know uh, uh, bringing these people directly to Fisk at, at the end of episode four, um, in, in the car door scene when he slams the guy's head in. And was he mean, just sort of was he just sort of like moves over? He's like, okay, man, that's some blood on me, whatever, you know. Well, it's go. it's very casual. It's very confident. Um, I like it. He's really, he's Fisk's only real friend. Like. You get the sense that he does genuinely care about Wilson Fisk as a person. Oh yeah, um, and, like, and like when Wesley dies, like that really hits Fisk hard. That, that, right, that, like, like he kind of walked around and like had the confidence that like Wesley is like I am the only person that Fisk wouldn't even think about killing. Yeah, and like even even to the point where like where people start bringing up the possibility before you find out that Leland is the one that poisoned Vanessa. Like there's there's that idea where the show even plays around with like what if it's Wesley? But no, Wesley is just that loyal to Fisk because they're because they're friends. Um, there's there's also just the the brilliant fact that he works as the primary villain for the first third of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we as we slowly build up Fisk, and before he's yes. e- before Fisk is even a public figure, Wesley is the guy going around being being the 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 man just directly below the kingpin. Yes, um, this this man in a suit, and he's so he's so he's so scummy. I I forgot that he died. Uh, honestly, uh, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, very beginning in the very end, but his first his first scene. It's just this perfect character introduction. Like, mm. a lot of episode one is, you could use episode one of Daredevil as a case study of, here is how you introduce a lot of these, uh, here's how you introduce characters. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and we can play around with, here's how people go off one another, um, all in one 15-minute episode. Um, mm-hmm. um, and, um... I guess before we talk about the, the, the man himself, I want to bring up uh, one last sort of character on the on the villain side of things. Uh, I'm going to totally butcher the actress's name. Um, Aelet Zura? Uh, Zura? I, I'm not... I've, I've, I, I, I have no clue how to say it. Um, the actress that plays Vanessa, um, I mean, I, I think I, she's such an interesting part of Fisk's, Fisk's character, you know? Um, the, uh, there's this... There's there's a certain humanity to Fisk, and I guess we'll we'll slowly work our way into Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin as we as we talk about this. But um, but Fisk, I think, can be a likable person, and we see a lot of that through Vanessa. Yes. Um, also, I think it's important to note Vanessa's position as someone of status. Um, she works in an art gallery, and the gallery very much is we sell art to the brightest and best. Um, and there are two art the the two art gallery scenes in particular the one near the beginning of the show, and then the one with uh, uh, the one where Murdoch Vanessa oh, and oh, Fisk, when, when Matt and Fisk meet for the first yeah time, for the yeah. first real time uh, as 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 Matt Murdoch obviously mm-hmm. there's a lot in of the subtext yeah. we introduce very much the theme of that one painting. Yeah, yeah, Rabbit in a Snowstorm, which yes. I I love that idea that consistently comes up throughout the show, not just in season one, but as yes. uh, especially in season three, like we bring that idea back and um, and we but really a lot play of the around visuals, with... a lot of visuals in the paintings in that art gallery, 
guide the season itself. Um, mm-hmm. It's very good, subtle visual t- storytelling. Um, uh, Zur as as Vanessa also very much holds her own and very much sees the hu- humanity in Fisk. Yeah, like, yeah. It's it's one of those things where like you really can see that under different circumstances, I think Fisk is is can be a good person. Yes. And and is and can uh, be and can be and in some ways is a relatable character, um, uh, in a lot in a lot of ways. Um, and that she also isn't phased by her lover doing horrible things at all, mm-hmm. and is like right by him. Okay, will <laughs> will will murder people um, mm-hmm. because your intentions are still pure. Mm-hmm. Right, like sort of. what he's doing isn't nece- like the reason behind it isn't mm. unjustifiable. Yeah, yeah, it's essentially um, the same reason Matt is doing what he's doing. Yeah. yeah, you draw these parallels between the two characters, and I love. I think it's in episode eight, the flashback sequences uh, where we get Fisk's backstory, where he kills yes. his dad and everything. Like, it, it, I've watched the season three times now. I've, <laughs> I've seen this show three times. Um, the, this first season, at least three times, and. Every single time that uh, the, the moment where he kills his father is just absolutely gut wrenching, and it, like no- it's a brutal episode to watch in general, it's, mm-hmm. it, and it gets difficult to watch. Yeah, yeah, um, it just oof, it's it's uncomfortable to watch, but I I really love what it does. Um, obviously, intentionally uncomfortable. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It, it it just doesn't pull its punches, and you you see this this building of this of of a man who will become the kingpin and will come to do horrible things um but you paint it in a light where you see like okay well he's in a bad situation how does he get out of this okay that's a little far um but it works it really does uh but yeah but also his dad's an abusive asshole who really deserves to be you know who kind of deserves it it's in this weird moral area where we would probably go yeah this is fine in most situations we we see it in his backstory, but also it's a larger theme in the show. This continuous cycle of violence, um, evil breeding evil, and um, and bringing out the worst in people. You know, um, and no one here really does become the better man because when we get to the final fight between Matt and and Fisk in the end, it's still just this awful beatdown. And Daredevil doesn't doesn't really show himself as a hero in the end. He shows himself as a protector, and I think that there's yes. a very clear distinction to make there. Yes. Um, so we may as well. Shall we? Shall we move into just talking about D'Onofrio as a performer? I think we already have. Yeah, <laughs> I think we've uh, moved into that conversation. And, ha- and, um, and how? Let's be clear. He's, if not the best MCU villain ever, in my opinion, he's the second best MCU villain ever, only topped by another character in the in the Marvel Netflix stuff. So, um, so yeah. Um, um, just I, I've, I also have some interesting notes about how they frame Fisk because. He, uh, th- he's written and played to be autistic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Like, that is that isn't subtext. That's text. But very interestingly, um, and there's a great video I watched uh, basically about autistic coding in superhero media, um, where I'm kind of pulling this from. They don't frame the autism as a scary thing. Mm-hmm. They cr- they they frame his power and his money. And his uh, and his willingness to kill people as the scary thing. In in fact, his 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 autism coding is is what makes him a sympathetic character. Yeah. Like we were talking about. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's used to make this horrible person 
actually seem like a pretty nice guy yeah. and you I mean, understand what he's going through that first date scene is just so relatable it's yeah like, how uncomfortable he gets when when his business gets involved with his date um and 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 how that causes him to act out i think that that's brilliant um and enough as an actor that cadence Mm-hmm. That that oh my god yeah like like, like like I I Jacob one knows I meme on it a lot but like I just love the way D'Onofrio delivers <laughs> fucking everything oh yeah like like we like we joke about it personally <laughs> yeah but like yeah. but it's actually like really brilliant yeah it is great um and that final shot of Fisk in his jail cell yeah looking the at the wall the snowstorm is there like it's oh oh it's so good that that um, that evil hidden in plain sight but is still still lost in the storm i love and just that. and just watching the man unravel himself mm-hmm. um and he does do it to himself yes. you know like like karen kills wesley but why is wesley even in that position it's because of fisk because fisk acted out um and uh, you know Leland um, dies because Fisk kills him. Gal goes away because Fisk screwed up. Um, Fisk, he he is uh, the reason that he fails. Uh, Fisk Fisk manipulates Matt into killing uh, Nobu, his Japanese contacts. Like mm-hmm. it's it's this utter frustration, and it's all because you know it's, it's all because he made one slight mistake. In hiring the two only good lawyers in New York, um, or at least in Hell's Kitchen, mm-hmm. um, not, and, not I shouldn't say good, um, more like not crooked lawyers. I not guess. crooked, yeah. Just to say good, like there are other people good at their jobs. They are good at their jobs, but they yeah. are also good people. Yeah. Um, Yes, that's very clear, very, very big difference from just being when, good. When, when, when all Fisk saw was a small law firm that has absolutely no business and they will take any money, let alone a big check like that. Um, and Fisk just didn't know what he was getting himself into. And again, yeah, like we mentioned a couple times, like he is his own undoing. Um, it's great. It's a fascinating character. And um, I mean, obviously, Jacob, Jacob two and Jacob one already knows like Fisk is, is remains a pretty big part of the show throughout seasons two and three. Yes. Um, and like just uh, it only gets better from here. Like like his character is set up brilliantly here, but it really does just get better and better as it goes on. Yes. Um, I also I also think it's just it's really, really interesting just how they show how far the corruption has gone. Um, yeah. Like. Uh, you have you, you one. It's 2015, and they're already basically saying all cops are bastards. Also, fuck the feds because mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of corruption there, and that's that's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, important to in, in fact, in, show. in fact, there's this whole bit where um where they make you think that uh that there's a character like, like, like sort of uh, sort of like on the inside going against Ben Urich working for Fisk, and they make you think that it's Ellison. Um, who's a head of the newspaper there and it's I, not I'm going to be honest. I, I totally fell for that. I think both people did. I don't know if Jacob too did. Oh, I did. Cause uh, the guy playing Ellison is really good at playing a scummy bastard. Yeah. And also another character that like, you'll see more of in seasons two and three. Like he's a really great character. Um, but it's, it's not him. Um, yeah. also his, the downfall, the way the, the music choice. In oh yeah. 13, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the way that it's shot. Also, <laughs> is, you brought up that montage. I want to mention a character that we haven't talked about at all, but it is 
It is the only character in the entire Marvel Netflix universe to show up in every single show, Turk Barrett. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that character stood out to you at all, Jacob, too. I just got to know if you had any thoughts. He didn't? Who was he? Turk Barrett is the guy at the beginning of episode three who gives the guy the gun. That he says, like, oh, it won't jam. You know, he's like, won't jam. Or my name ain't Turk Barrett. And then the gun jams. He's that guy. That? He shows up in every... Every what? single every, one. Like, every, every show I've seen. My favorite is... Uh, you know what my favorite is, right, Joey? Which, oh, the Luke Cage appearance? Yeah, that is that, easily my favorite. That's the best one. But yeah, he's there for every single show at some point. Um, yeah, so he's part of that montage. He gets caught in the end. Um, and yeah, he's just, he's just a really funny character. I love him. He's so, he's so good. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> me, me and Jacob one joke about him all the time. Because um, what, at this time, you're going on Defenders soon, Jacob one. Um, yes. So yeah, so you've seen him in, in most of the rest of the shows already. But uh, yeah, it's great. Um, I, I also I also think it's just again Fisk uh, just Fisk's build up. You don't see him till episode four. Uh, well, end of episode three. End of episode three. Yeah, but then uh, he actually like has his time to shine in episode four. Yeah. Um, uh, but even then, he's he doesn't become a big part of the show until he publicly outs himself. And I love how great is that moment when they're ready to publish that story, talking about Wilson Fisk openly and ready to call him out, and he gets ahead of them and calls himself out publicly ahead of time. Like it's just. Oh, it so is. He's very good at that through the whole season, though. Oh, it's just being that one step ahead of them, and 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 continuously acting like he's in control as he slowly loses control. Um, and just being one step ahead, like one, you already get a lot of really good side characters, like uh, like Mrs. Cardenas. Yes, um, Mrs. Cardenas. Who is, <laughs> oh, Mrs. Cardenas. I love her. Who is, uh, her fate, she is just, it's like that, a lot of the death, one, a lot of the deaths in the show just have weight because they've built up all these really good characters. Yeah, all like, lovable in some small way, you know? Uh, um, Cardenas, I think, is the perfect example of that because she's barely there and you just love her by, by the time she dies, you know? Um, it's great. I love her. Um but also, you know, she she commands this. She commands her scenes, um, playing basically matchmaker between Foggy and uh, Karen. Um, also, Josie. Also, what is that noise? Jacob, one, you need to stop. <laughs> I'm glad it's not me this time. No, it's not you. <laughs> um, what I do find kind of interesting is that the fact that this all dropped at once like on netflix yeah well they did, they did that with all the shows i mean netflix is still doing that to this day they only yeah. just they only just started changing it recently with stranger things yeah which like i get it but it almost feels like it was written to be week by week like yeah i could see that but that was also just the standard for streaming shows at the time yeah like like, like let's be let's be real the weekly streaming episode drop is is only a fairly recent advent yes. with with uh, disney plus's existence so, I'd say Disney Plus is really where I would I would say is where most people have like, gone I like, oh, I have yeah. to wait a week? Yeah, I hadn't seen any streaming service do that before Disney Plus did. Uh, I think yeah. Amazon did it occasionally, but... Oh, really? Yeah. I, um, I think it's also just a smart a smart way to present a longer story like this. Um, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I you, get that. Like... But I'm also someone who doesn't like to binge. Um, See, I, I I like binging. I like, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, ask Jacob one. I'm a horrible binger. Like, like when I get on a show, yeah. like, I fucking fly through it. Um, yeah. Whereas yeah. I don't, which is why this episode is coming out in September. And yeah. Not... And it came to Disney Plus mid-March. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. In, in my defense, we were we were doing Batman the Animated yeah, Series and doing, Superman the Animated Series. We had, uh, we had S-Tas, you know, there were other things to do in between. So, but... and, re- and, re- and realistically, this was going to be bonus episode four, but the Sandman came out before then. So, yeah, so it's so it's, it's one of those episode five now. So uh, yes, does that mostly wrap up our Daredevil conversation? Then um, I, I'm just trying to think of a couple of other things that I might want to want to mention. Just that st- stand out. Um, we haven't talked about stick at all. Stick? No, yes, we have stick. That's a good point. Yes, I totally forgot to mention stick. I yeah. apologize. Is stick, I mean, is stick he, a Frank Miller creation or is this a Stanley creation? Uh, I I believe Frank Miller. If I'm not, I was gonna say because. I can, it does feel very frank, doesn't yeah. it? This, uh, despite yeah, yeah, us having yeah, its own yeah, identity, yeah, I can Miller. see Frank Miller's fingerprints all over this show. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just looked it up. Yeah, it's a Frank Miller creation. Um, I want to say, my I don't think it's his first scene, but I will... I, I Joey, no, Joey, you know I talk... I've mentioned this all the time. If, like, I'm gonna, if I'm going to say, oh, a stick here, like, I'm going to go, what, is he going to complain that they have furniture, too? Oh, oh, when he first walks in the apartment? Yeah. 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 Yes, I just uh, I, I, I just love Stick. He's a great character. Um, can't think of the actor he's played on played by now. Uh, shit, who is he? Because he's from. Uh, oh God, what's he from? Uh, <laughs> why can't I think? Uh, Scott Glenn. There we go. Yeah. Um, that's right, Scott Glenn, who I adore. He was um, he was in a. Fuck! Why can't I? Why am I completely blanking on everything right now? in silence of the lambs yeah okay yeah silence of the lambs that's right yep love scott glenn and he's a great choice for the role like i love the way he plays that um oh yeah yeah just a great character again also a total bastard yeah yeah uh, but i mean oh, absolutely <laughs> yeah um is stick will become a bit more important in season two um he's I, only, I imagine yeah he's only here for the one episode for now but he, in the comics he's mostly involved in the whole electra storyline and they do electra in season two so there's that right. but uh but yeah so that uh, is that all right um anything else to bring up before we start to wrap up um i just say that you should definitely watch it especially one if you have marvel fatigue in general yeah um, yeah like if you're looking for just some truly great Mar- M- mcu or just marvel live action content that you haven't seen before and you want to uh, uh you know cleanse your taste buds cl- cleanse your palate that's what i was fucking looking for um uh, and, and, <laughs> and you're not a child and because if you're if you're a child i mean for the most part with daredevil luckily it's just the violence like it's just the violence but it's still very intense. Yeah. I'd say uh, it like, could like, be a little like, much. Like, mm-hmm. if you're, like, an older kid, I don't think there's really much of an issue with this season necessarily. I mean, I know I watched this when it first came out, and I was 15 at the time. So, you know, I was so, yeah. I was fine. Um, um, but, but, yeah, yeah. But, if you're, but if you're, like, a young kid who likes the, the movies, and you're Maybe not the best for you. And, and also, if you're a young kid who likes the movies, most of the other shows are actually a bit more risque than daredevil i would say um specifically like would, just, uh, jessica jones uh some bits that, of luke cage as someone who's seen some more of the the netflix slash disney plus shows than jacob too yeah 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, not to say that those shows aren't aren't as good. I mean, Daredevil's probably the best of of the six shows, but um, but I mean, they're all great. They they really are. And uh, and for those who are curious, yes, me and Jacob one or Jacob two, fuck me, uh, definitely do plan to continue covering yes. each season of the Marvel Netflix shows. Um, I'm not sure at what pace because we are still doing the DC animated universe stuff. Yes, and we may or may not have a video game thing coming up soon. Yes, so. we also may or may not have another. A different DC bonus episode yes, for a live guess. action thing. It's all going to turn into what the fuck can Jacob finish first? Yeah, it really, it really is. So whichever you want to do, we, we we have options. We have the next next Marvel Netflix one. We have the next DCAU show. We have that other DC live action thing and the video game. Yeah. So which wh- one of those? One of those. One of those. <laughs> uh, though probably not a DC film for while uh, well i mean do we want to do black adam because that comes out next month is that actually coming out it is yes next month is we'll, black talk, adam. About we we'll talk, talk about that we'll talk about that so there may be a black adam bonus episode who knows we don't know what's coming next we're fucking sick of bonus episodes episodes at this point uh we've been recording way too much lately uh, <laughs> all right uh let's start to close out uh of course as always thank you all so much for listening it really does mean a lot we've seen some great growth on the podcast lately um and it really it just it means the world to us uh in the meantime you can follow us all on twitter i am at jomo with three underscores jacob is at newt five jacob two is at newt five nine nine six jacob one is uh now on twitter we i don't think he well he wasn't actively on twitter last time he was on the podcast but now he is he is at hezerizid h-e-z-o-r-i-s-z-i-d um he is actually i don't know if you want to promote it or not um um yeah i i won't go into a huge long thing uh i'm I'm a I'm currently I'm writing short stories. I'm posting them on a uh, blog, the the Google blog service. It's it's under the name uh, the uh, the Advent- Adventures of the Mirage. Adventures of the Mirage, awesome. It, it's easiest to find through my Twitter. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I will leave that all linked down in the description. You can go to his Twitter, uh, follow him, read the Adventures of the Mirage. Um, he's how many stories do you have at the time of recording? At the time of recording, I have. Three out. I'm posting one 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 uh, story a month. One piece of art that relates kind of to, like it's either like a character piece or a piece of art about the story a month. So it's at least two posts a month. Cool. Very cool. And uh, I'm assuming I think by the time this bonus episode comes out, uh, the the fourth short story should be out soon. So yeah. So uh, yeah. If, if you if you're interested in that kind of stuff, uh, the, the reading is there. So um. But yeah. Also yeah. So follow all three of us. All of our links will be down in the description below. You can go check us out. Um. And watch Daredevil. Just fucking do it. It's fucking great. Um. And I guess that about does it. Uh, as at the time of this coming out, uh, this should be coming out between our two Wonder Woman episodes. So next up, uh, the next regular episode of the show will be Wonder Woman by George Perez, Volume 2. And then we'll be entering a block of a new comic that we have not covered before. So very exciting stuff on the way. Um, I guess until next time, this has been Joey Morgan. And Jacob Licklider. And Jacob Morgan. Goodbye. 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 <laughs>